0: An investigation is now underway into potential voter intimidation. The
1: voter was approached and then followed by a group of individuals when the voter was trying to drop off their early ballot.
2: Sounds about right. Sounds like a job for the election defenders. Well, I
0: don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling something right. You know what I am. so scared in case I fall off my chair. And i Get down the
2: stairs to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle With you yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM In LA Also in California, elsewhere In Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI Round Mountains, KKRN and Eureka's KGOE Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe over the intertubes on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Now, it might be because I just watched too many Marvel movies. (laughs) Don't laugh, Des. You're you're watching them, too.
0: I do enjoy the Marvel movies.
2: But our guest joining us uh, in a little bit today comes from a group that sounds like it could be part of the MCU. Angela Peoples of... The Election Defenders, cool name, right? Yeah. Joins us uh, shortly to discuss what her group uh, will be doing in a whole bunch of states to help make sure that everyone can vote easily and peacefully this year, given all of the challenges that await us on Election Day on November eighth in just a couple of weeks. And there are many of those challenges uh, most of them thanks directly to the unceasing lies and nonsense by our sore loser of a former president, but we will get to all of that shortly. Quickly, before we do, speaking of that sore loser, you know, what? It, <laughs> it, it, it still feels like uh, that we're, we're still just beginning to see and feel the outer bands of the accountability hurricane that I see coming for Donald Trump and friends that I have long believed is slowly heading toward uh, toward landfall. Over the past 24 to 48 hours, there has been a number of accountability stories that are all part of that same hurricane system. Most recently on Friday. Well, let's start here. Back in July, Trump's Donald Trump's former advisor, one of his several 2016 campaign managers, Steve Bannon, was convicted at trial on two counts of contempt of Congress for refusing to respond to the bipartisan House select January six committees subpoenas for testimony and documents. Each criminal misdemeanor is punishable by at least 30 days and up to one year in jail. Prosecutors asked for six months in jail uh, total and a maximum two hundred thousand dollar fine, saying in a court filing, the Bannon showed, quote, a total disregard for government processes and the law in ignoring the congressional subpoenas while smearing the House investigation and the justice uh, system with, quote, rhetoric that risks inspiring violence which i say risks are you kidding that was that was his hope that was the whole point bannon's attorneys ask for probation that's all they eh, just probation no jail time saying a mandatory minimum jail sentence would be unlawful here because his intent was not criminal or quote willful he didn't willfully defy the subpoenas Does the Party of Personal Responsibility take no personal responsibility for anything anymore? Don't need to answer that. I think we all know what it is. (laughs) True. On Friday, Bannon was sentenced to four months in prison total, and he was given a $6,500 fine. So the prosecutors asked for six months. They got four. They asked for a $200,000 fine. This guy is a millionaire after all. For some reason, he was only given a $6,500 fine. Well, for Yeah, yeah.
0: that's going to surely <laughs> deter him from doing it again.
2: This all for refusing to cooperate with the lawful congressional subpoenas to discuss January 6th and the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Bannon is now set to become the first person incarcerated for defying a congressional subpoena in more than half a century, though the judge who happens to be a Trump appointee, said that uh, he would stay the uh, penalty, uh, uh, I guess both uh, the, the fine and the jail time, pending Bannon's expected appeal. Bannon has said he plans to appeal the conviction because Judge Carl Nichols ruled that he could not argue at trial, that he relied on his lawyer's advice in not responding to the subpoena. Uh, or that he was unable to argue that he believed his cooperation was barred by Trump's claim of executive privilege, which, as we learned throughout the trial, Trump never actually claimed at all in this case. Moreover, while a president can claim executive privilege regarding discussions with staff, the matter at issue regards what happened during and in the lead up to the January 6th, 2021 insurrection. Bannon, who did at one point work at the White House as a, as a Trump advisor, was actually fired after about six months on the job back in 2017. So he has not actually worked for Donald Trump for about four years, at least not officially. So an executive privilege claim to protect any conversations uh, prior to Trump's insurrection is laughable here, even if Trump had made such a a claim of privilege, which he did not. Judge Nichols said at the sentencing, quote, flouting congressional subpoenas betrays a lack of respect for the legislative branch, which exercises the will of the people of the United States. He noted Bannon, quote, has expressed no remorse and has not taken responsibility for his refusal to comply with his subpoena. But in a uh, while, well, he didn't speak in court on Friday. Bannon did speak on the sidewalk outside of court afterwards. Claimed he would be vindicated by American voters next month, somehow, if Republicans, as predicted, take control of the House of Representatives, and he said that Attorney General Merrick Garland would then be impeached and quote removed from office. And of course, he might be impeached. It only takes a simple majority in the U.S. House if the Republicans can win one back. But to remove him from office, well, that takes two thirds of the Senate. Seems unlikely Merrick Garland is going to be removed from office. Uh, Bannon added that on November 8th, the American people will weigh judgment and we will prove the Biden administration ends that evening. Whatever, Steve. Good luck with the appeal. He's such a Uh, drama queen. Ben, he's he's one of a half dozen Trump uh, associates to be convicted of all sorts of federal crimes, including fraud, false statements, foreign influence peddling. Although Trump, when president, pardoned most of those, at least those who remained loyal to him uh, before he left office. More... In the meantime, are now in legal jeopardy in investigations of all sorts of uh, things, including attempts to subvert the 2020 election results, as uh, Washington Post describes it, to subvert the election results of 2020. That would be to steal the 2020 election, as well as uh, facing accountability for Trump's storage of classified information at Trump's Florida residence. And that would be not just the storage of the classified information, but the stealing of the classified information.
0: Yeah, come on, guys. Get that right. Uh,
2: One of those uh, folks who may face accountability for that is Evan Corcoran. He happens to be representing Steve Bannon in the uh, January 6th subpoena case. He, Corcoran, has now been counseled by his own colleagues to hire a criminal defense lawyer for himself, Because he told the Justice Department that Trump had handed over all of the classified information at Mar-a-Lago before an FBI raid found out that no, he didn't. The January 6th committee had wanted to ask Bannon about his role in efforts to pressure Vice President Mike Pence and Republican lawmakers into refusing to affirm the 2020 election results on January 6th, culminating in the mob assault on the Capitol. Lawmakers in their subpoena noted that Bannon was involved in Trump supporters' strategy meetings, Uh, in the days leading up to the riot, including at the Willard Hotel, about which we still don't know what actually went on at that Willard Hotel near the White House. Uh, But he did say uh, publicly, Bannon did, that uh, just before January 6th, that, quote, all hell is going to break loose tomorrow. He had also said prior to the election itself that Trump planned to claim victory whether he won or lost, and if he lost, he would claim it was stolen. These are among the things that the January 6th committee would like to ask him about. At its last public hearing, the committee played audio of Bannon saying exactly that to associates from China just a few days before the election. And what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory. But that doesn't mean he's the winner. He's just going to say he's the winner. The Democrats, more of our people vote. Early that count, there's voted mail, and so they're going to have a natural disadvantage, and Trump's going to take advantage of it. that's our strategy. He's going to clear himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm.
0: <laughs> also, also if
2: Trump is if Trump is losing mm. by ten or eleven o'clock at night, mm. it's going to be even crazier. He, I'm, no, because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. I'm yeah, uh, agree. I'm directing the Attorney General. Mm. To shut down all ballot places in all fifty states, it's going to be no. He's not going out easy. Trump, if Biden's winning, Trump is going to do some crazy. Shit. Yeah. So all of this was premeditated. Steve Bannon knew all of this was coming. It was all a plan. It was all a con all along, and that's why Congress wanted to ask him questions about it. In the meantime, Bannon also faces trial in New York state court on allegations that he orchestrated a scheme to steal millions from donors who thought they were helping to build a wall along the U.S. border with Mexico. Bannon was indicted on nearly identical charges in federal court in 2020, but he was pardoned by Trump for that, even though he was uh, Bannon was stealing money from Trump's own supporters Bannon, that's my job What Trump anyway Uh, Bannon's uh, January 6th committee case however probably will not be the final clash involving the work of the House Select Committee investigating Trump's insurrection and its preceding events as lawmakers also on Friday issued a subpoena to Donald Trump himself after voting to do so at what may have been their final public hearing a week or so ago Moreover, while we quickly mentioned this story as it was breaking while we went to air on our previous broadcast, U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham must testify before a special grand jury investigating whether then-President Donald Trump and others illegally tried to... Influence the 2020 election in Georgia, as AP describes it. Influence. Influence, yes. Uh, This, according to a federal appeals court on Thursday, the ruling by a three-judge panel, including two Trump-appointed judges at the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, paves the way for Fulton County, uh, Georgia, District Attorney Fonnie Willis to bring Graham in for questioning. She wants to ask the South Carolina Republican about phone calls that he made to the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, in the weeks after the election. Raffensperger has said that Graham asked whether uh, Raffensperger had the power to reject certain absentee ballots, something that Raffensperger took as a suggestion to toss out tens of thousands of legally cast ballots. Hey, Brad, uh, can, can if there's a lot of uh, unsigned absentee ballots in some county, if people forgot to sign them, can we throw out all of the absentee ballots there, sir? That's apparently what Graham was asking the Georgia Secretary of State. Graham, meanwhile, has dismissed that interpretation of his uh, questions as, quote, ridiculous. Well, AP reported that Graham could appeal to the full uh, 11th Circuit Court, on which six of 11 appointees are actually uh, seated by Donald Trump. Legal expert Steve Laddick pointed out that their ruling in this case may only be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court if Graham wants to push his, so far, very bad luck in this case even further. Well, guess what? As we have been speaking in just the past few minutes, Trump uh, uh, Lindsey Graham did exactly That he has appealed now to the U.S. Supreme Court. (laughs) This guy, for a guy who didn't do anything wrong, he really, really doesn't want to answer questions about any of this under oath for some reason. Yeah, weird, huh? He had uh, challenged his subpoena in the uh, Georgia case, saying his position as a U.S. senator protected him from having to testify in the state investigation. The judges dismissed, the federal judges dismissed that argument, noting that Graham has failed to demonstrate that his approach would violate his rights under the Constitution's speech and debate clause, which essentially bars a member of the House or Senate from being questioned for anything they do as part of their legislative efforts, which the uh, Georgia prosecutor has argued this was decidedly not. Uh, Fannie Willis, that prosecutor, requested a special grand jury saying the panel's subpoena power would allow the questioning of people like Senator Graham, who otherwise would not cooperate with the investigation. Some of those associates included former White House counsel Pat Cipollone, who has uh, now reportedly testified before the special grand jury. Cipollone had supposedly resisted efforts to undo the election in 2020 as AP reports it and has said that he did not believe there was sufficient fraud to have affected the outcome of the race that was won by Biden others have also already made their appearance before that special grand jury in Atlanta former New York mayor and uh, Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani he's, uh, he's been told that he could face criminal charges in the probe he testified in August Lindsey Graham has not been told that he could face criminal charges Charges, at least not yet. Also, rogue right-wing attorneys John Eastman and Ken Cheesebro, who were both deeply involved in the so-called fake elector scheme, they also appeared before the panel in what is now clearly become a broad criminal conspiracy being investigated, one that was likely headed by Trump and that could send all of them to prison. Paperwork has also been filed, seeking testimony from others, including former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, and, I forgot about this, former U.S. House Speaker Newt Gingrich. Oh, yeah. So, uh, as Bannon learned on Friday, there is a price to pay for refusing to answer lawful subpoenas. Something that Donald Trump is no doubt keeping in mind today as the January 6th committee officially subpoenaed him. Whether Fonnie Willis decides to do the same and subpoena the former president uh, in her state conspiracy election fraud case, well, that remains to be seen. And yes, there is more now rolling in amid the outer bands of the Trump accountability hurricane blowing this way. But I only have time for one more of them. This from this uh, past week. One of the roughly 26 sexual misconduct accusations that have been leveled against Trump involves journalist E. Jean Carroll, who claims that Trump raped her in a New York department store in the mid 90s. She has sued Donald Trump, saying that his denial of the alleged rape, which included Trump's standard, uh, quote, she's not attractive enough for me to rape defense, uh, she claimed that that amounted to defamation, and he has dodged a deposition in that case for years, claiming essentially that uh, uh, that he, he doesn't have to uh, re- answer to any of that because he, the comments that he ma- made calling her a liar, well, that was done in the course of his job as president. Somehow he has been able to make that argument, a terrible argument, but it is one that he has been able to make somehow or another to prevent him from uh, sitting down for a deposition. Well, uh, his luck ran out that this past week. He was forced to sit down for a deposition. And before doing so, he kind of freaked out. He went on to his dumb social media site, Truth Social, and... And said, quote, Carol completely made up a story that I met her at the doors of this crowded New York City Department store and within minutes swooned her. It is a hoax and a lie, just like all the other hoaxes that have been played on me for the past seven years. Well, that was a mistake for him to do. As George Conway pointed out, she's the husband of Trump's former aide, Kellyanne Conway. Uh, he pointed out uh, quote. So a woman accuses you of rape. You make a bunch of statements accusing her of lying. She sues you for defamation. Your defense, such as it is, was that you were president when you made the statement. So you can't be sued personally. You litigate that for years. You still have a chance at winning that argument. Meanwhile, the judge or- orders you to be deposed anyway. You get mad. What do you do? You issue a brand new statement repeating. All of the other earlier defamatory statements, but since you're no longer president, you no longer have that defense. Absolutely brilliant, said Conway. Genius. Genius indeed. So there is at least some of the uh, legal accountability winds that are blowing in uh, in Trump's direction this past week and quicker by the day. But his supporters, meanwhile, they are not rolling over easily and they see opportunities to turn the electoral tables on those who they have been conned into thinking have somehow wronged them and their Republican messiah somehow. Their big chance is in the upcoming midterms, and many fear that they will cheat in order to prevent the imaginary Democratic cheating that they believe has done them wrong. All of which is heading toward a, well, a potential mess on Election Day on November 8th. That story and a plan to prevent such a mess to make sure that every legal voter gets to cast their vote this year. That is all straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. People get ready. People
1: get ready. There's a train coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on
2: board. Get on board. Welcome back. The Bradcast, Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. You know, Desi Doyle, whenever I hear that song, uh, it reminds me when I say, Oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We've got, you know, <laughs> two weeks coming uh, or so until election day. Light is at the end of the tunnel. And then I think of what you always tell me.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes the light at the end of the tunnel is a freight train coming your way. That's
2: exactly right. Uh, this time it could play out either way. I'm not sure. As you have Uh, likely heard if you've listened to, oh, I don't know, about 30 seconds of this program at any time (laughs) over the last two or more years. This year's midterms are playing out against the backdrop of our disgraced loser of a former president's continuing uh, utter persistent falsehoods about Uh, His loss in the 2020 election in the two years since Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden, not one shred of evidence has revealed that Trump actually won in any state in which Joe Biden was declared the winner. There have been many various claims, but with any scrutiny at all, and believe me, I have scrutinized a lot of them. Those claims all turn out to be false found as much by election experts and election officials, uh, state and federal courts, including Republicans and even Trump appointees in each and every one of those cases. Nonetheless, as you also likely know if you've heard 30 seconds of this program, Donald Trump supporters are incredibly gullible, easily duped, wildly misinformed, by the Trump disinformation campaign, as echoed by far-right Trump-friendly media like Fox News, Newsmax, and all the rest. So new restrictions on voting adopted by Republican state legislatures based on those falsehoods, along with two years of unceasing disinformation, has resulted in an army of right-wingers right now who are certain that their elections are being stolen from them. Despite the lack of any legitimate evidence, at least to date, to support those fears, Trump's refusal to accept his loss and the peddling of false claims by him and his allies have meanwhile stirred anger. Among his supporters, as AP reports today, and some of that has been channeled into harassment and even death threats directed toward election officials, as we have also reported in detail in this program over the past couple of years. On top of that, local election officials are still dealing with lingering fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. All of this, AP reports has led to unprecedented pressure on local election officials and a changed landscape to navigate for some of the nation's 217 million registered voters. During the primaries, polling places were bedeviled by short staffing, ballot printing errors, aggressive poll watchers and concerns about malware attacks on voting equipment. AP expects that staffing and poll worker shortages will continue in this year's midterm elections following a punishing stream of death threats and harassment and misinformation that plagued election workers and has led many of them to simply throw in the towel. This has left offices across the country short-staffed this year as the November 8 election nears. Just what we need. Poll worker positions are often going unfilled, which is just one of the reasons that we have tried to urge listeners to consider signing up to be a poll worker this year. You'd be doing a great civil service to your local jurisdiction, to your nation, and yes, to your democracy, which currently hangs by a thread, frankly. But I believe nonetheless it is still very much worth fighting for. An online poll worker tracker on the Ohio Secretary of State's website, for example, indicates that more than half of the state's counties still need volunteers as of this week with early voting already underway in the Buckeye State. Then there are ballot drop boxes. Uh, They remain popular options for many voters, says AP, despite restrictions that Republican-led legislatures have imposed on their number and their location in several states after the 2020 election, following, yes, Trump's false claims about them. An AP analysis found no evidence that the receptacles are subject to widespread fraud or vandalism or theft. A claim promoted in the many times over discredited film called 2000 Mules. Nonetheless, bands of Dropbox monitors have begun springing up across the U.S. to stake out the boxes and watch them, they say, for nefarious activity. Just last night, for example, Arizona's ABC 15 posted what they described on Twitter as security footage of alleged voter intimidation at, absentee, at an absentee ballot Dropbox in, in Mesa where the voter claims that he was photographed by observers watching the box and accused of being a mule, which is a reference uh, popularized by that 2000 Mules film, which even the central sources of the claims in that film uh, pretty much now largely disown. Uh, But it The film charged that thousands of people in battleground states were repeatedly visiting these drop boxes to cast hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of fraudulent ballots. Though why those folks wouldn't just put them into a mailbox, well, that remains an unanswered question about this dumb film for those super geniuses who buy into this evidence-free theory. It's been rejected, by the way, by the Republican led Georgia Bureau of Investigations, rejected by the FBI and Arizona's Republican attorney general just days ago referred the group behind that film to the FBI and the IRS for potential fraud charges. But upon viewing that ABC 15 footage in Mesa last night, Democratic election attorney Mark Elias declared on Twitter, quote, This is outrageous and unacceptable. We will take whatever legal steps are necessary to prevent this type of illegal intimidation and harassment. Well, that's good. The Arizona secretary of state's office, meanwhile, this week referred a separate report of voter intimidation to the U.S. Department of Justice and the State attorneys, uh, Attorney General's office after a Maricopa County voter said that she was approached and followed while depositing her ballot in a dropbox. All of this, it is feared, could get much worse on Election Day on November 8, where poll watchers have been the traditional eyes and ears of the two major political parties, but where a new crop who believe that election conspiracy theories are playing out, Well, now they have signed up for duty to be poll watchers. I would argue that's a good thing because, you know, the more eyeballs watching everything, the better. And people who are dubious about how elections work, well, if they actually watch them work, maybe they'll realize there is not this massive conspiracy going on in some Republican led states. Uh, they have been those poll watchers have now been given more leeway, however, to challenge voters or the processes at the polling place, creating an air of uncertainty about all of this as Election Day approaches. Last week, in fact, we reported on a GOP leaning county uh, sort of outside of Detroit, Michigan, where a January 6th insurrection participant has actually been hired by the county to recruit and train actual poll workers for this year's midterms. Incredibly enough, not just poll watchers, but poll workers. Voters in some parts of the country may even see more uniformed law enforcement officers at polling places, but not for traditional peacekeeping, according to AP. Instead, promoters of Trump's claims have floated the idea that county sheriffs may access voting machines and intervene in how elections are run. And some have pledged to do just that. In response, voter advocacy organizations, real ones, not disinformed Trumpist sore loser groups, are planning a counter presence in some states to support voters at the polls. Jen Miller is the executive director of the League of Women Voters of Ohio. She said that interfaith religious leaders are trained in de-escalation techniques, They're dubbed peacekeepers, and they will be on call during early voting and on Election Day, quote, to help bring the temperature down. There's an idea. Meanwhile, the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division has also said they will be monitoring for violations of election laws that prohibit discrimination or intimidation of voters based on race, color, national origin, religion or language. Violence or threats of violence or intimidation against any voter at any polling place, they say, should first be reported to police via 911 and then to the department via their phone number or their website, which is civilrights.justice.gov. In addition, A nonpartisan coalition of voting rights groups is once again providing assistance to voters across the country on Election Day and during early voting. That would be Election Protection, which runs the 866 Hour vote hotline. Write that one down, 866 Hour vote They connect voters with individuals who can provide guidance when encountering problems at the polls. All of this is ahead. All of us, all of this is that... Train that's coming, uh, that light (laughs) at the end of the tunnel that could, in fact, be a train.
0: But it's up to us. We can make that
2: difference. We can. And there is, of course, uh, much more to saving our democratic rights and our voting rights than simply voting though that is really, really important, don't get me wrong, but supporting voters and helping to make sure that everyone who wants to be able uh, to vote is, in fact, able to do so. That is absolutely critical. There are opportunities for you to help defend democracy itself this year in a number of ways with a number of groups who really could use your help. The campaign director for one of them, a group calling itself Election Defenders, that plan to be in a whole bunch of critical states on November 8, joins us next to explain. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Here at The Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate. And thanks. going to be a lot of people uh, watching the polls this year, at least I hope. And I hope there's a lot of people watching the watchers and people de-escalating those watchers. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Given all of the many concerns about what could happen on the ground on Election Day during this year's critical midterms on November 8th, especially after two years of unrelenting misinformation and disinformation about our elections by the former sore loser president and his gullible MAGA followers. One group, at least, following their similar effort during the 2020 election, say that they have trained hundreds of organizers in de-escalation tactics, crowd management, and even to be what they describe as first responders to democracy. They will station more than 1,000 of those folks at polling places this year in Wisconsin, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, and other states. The Election Defenders Coalition say that they will be returning for the 2022 midterm elections to help protect voters, particularly voters of color, from violence, intimidation, and misinformation at the polls in key battleground states. That, according to the group's press release this past week, quote, The recent rise of fascist ideas, laws and leaders at every level of politics has created an environment where access to safe, secure and legitimate voting is under renewed threat. Said Tiffany Flowers, the campaign director for The Frontline, a joint campaign uh, founded in 2020 of the Working Families Party, the Movement for Black Lives Electoral Justice Project, United We Dream and Rising Majority. This Election Day, she vows, the pro-democracy organizers of this country are joining forces to preserve our right to free and fair elections. Following January 6, the rise of election deniers and the rights calls for so called voting security forces, it's our moral obligation to organize and help defend Americans' rights to vote, said Angela Peoples, the campaign director of the Frontline's Election Defenders Coalition. She cites especially this is important for voters of color who are the primary target of GOP voter suppression efforts. The 2020 Election Defenders campaign had 2,000 volunteers in all 50 states, and they plan to station more than 1,250 volunteers across 12 cities and towns for 2022. Joining us now is Angela Peoples, the campaign director for the Election Defenders. She's also a longtime grassroots organizer and political strategist leading movements such as Black Mamas March and the Democracy Defense Coalition. She's now helping to coordinate the Frontline.org's grassroots coalition of civil rights and voting rights groups connecting everyday people, they say, with training, resources, and support to create a crew of first responders to democracy. I like the idea. Angela Peoples, welcome to the broadcast.
1: Thanks, Brad. Happy
2: to be here. Uh, so first, uh, Angela, uh, before we dive into what election defenders plans to do on November 8th, and by the way, very cool name. Sounds like a Marvel uh, comic book or something like that. It sounds like <laughs> Election Avenger. Anyway, uh, before we talk about that, uh, what are the greatest concerns that your group has about what could happen on November 8th? What do you expect? What do you fear? What are you most worried about? And how have those fears been amplified or changed since your similar election defenders effort back in 2000 uh
1: yeah well i think the the biggest concern that i have my eye on right now is the um intimidation factor that voters that you know voter suppression the different information can have we understand that that is actually one of the main tactics of the right we saw that in 2020 we're seeing that again this year, spreading rumors, spreading misinformation, um, and and making it so that people who may be a little bit timid or may think I can only have a little bit of time to vote, mm. or I only have a little, I just have barely enough capacity to get uh, through my day and stop by the polling place. That those are the folks that they're gonna be a little bit too intimidated, whether it's because of a long line or confusion. Um, uh, with new voter suppression laws, um, or you know, pulling people off of the polls, that those are those people won't show up. And so, part of what we're doing is wanting to get our message out there that we will be there. The election defenders will be there. We'll be organized. We're trained not only in de-escalation, but also in what we call voter care, and to support folks as they're at the polls, making sure that folks have information about what those new laws may be. Um, and how to make sure that if they feel like they're denied their ability to vote, that they have, um, a chance to, to, to address that and to not be denied the ability to cast their ballot, whether it's provisional or otherwise, on election day. So, one of my, one of my biggest concerns is the impact and in- attempts at intimid- intimidation mm-hmm. may play on the electorate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in some places, you know, these threats of violence are very real. And we're preparing folks to be responsive to those and to be aware of how to notice if there is an issue at their location, if there is a challenge that they need to be responsive to. Um, But we also know that a lot of this is just talk and and, Mm. and attempts to create an atmosphere of fear. So we are planning to counter that fear with joy with enthusiasm to make sure that people can cast their ballot with safety and dignity.
2: How, how are your folks specifically trained then? So, you know, what sort of skills do they do they need to have or what sort of skills are they being trained at uh, to have to, uh, you know, to be able to de-escalate, as you describe? What could happen at the polling places uh, this year uh, that, that, you know, they're specifically trained for uh, to, to deal with?
1: We anticipate attempts to, uh, whether it's being folks being literally at the polls um, in an in a organized and aligned, trying to sort of present a, uh, an error that we're blocking your entrance, even though they won't be able to block the entrance because it's illegal. People won't be able to ba- block, um, excuse me, block ballot boxes because mm-hmm. that's also illegal. Um, but there is an error of sort of, I'm we're we're showing up and we're going to be aligned uh, up. So we're making sure that our volunteers are there as well. They'll be, you, you know, you you may remember in Black Election Defender and Count Every Vote um, sweatshirts from 2020 will be out there again. So you'll see us bright um, and, and shining in our yellow and gold colors. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the skills that folks are being trained at, so um, we have two types of trainings. We have our first responder training, which is sort of that entry level, the initial um, a place where we want folks to come in they're trained in uh, situational awareness they are trained to be mindful of even their own experience a lot of times um, when there is a high intense um, uh, a high stake situation mm-hmm. uh, what ends up um, causing the most sort of um, angst or, or challenge is our own reaction so mm-hmm. we're training people to 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 be able to re- think about what they might see on election day whether it's um, People challenging an individual voter's ability to vote, Mm -hmm. um, trying to challenge a a particular ballot that's being dropped off, or even people showing up um, in in, uh, military garb or something that might look, uh, with an attempt to look intimidating. We're preparing people to be aware of what those situations are, and then also reminding them of what they can do um, to be in control of themselves um, and to be supportive of voters. We're really encouraging people, especially our first responders, mm-hmm. to not try, if there is an instance where there's an argument, someone's trying to go back and forth, or it looks like it could lead to an escalated situation, we're really encouraging people to focus on the voter. Focus on the voter. Don't try to be, you know, a um, a superhero, as you say, even <laughs> though our name does sound kind of like an Avengers uh, right. uh, movie. <laughs> we're not asking people to be superheroes. We're not asking people um to to you know you know do combat or anything we're asking people to show up for their community members to focus on the voter and to make sure that they have what they need to finish the job and to cast their ballot
2: and are you guys the other thing that uh, yeah go go ahead ahead. no no please
1: i was just going to say the other thing that we're thinking about in making sure that we're reminding our volunteers is that this is this this election defense opportunity is something that we need to do from voting to counting all the way to certification. So um, as we, as you know, the many folks have said before in 2020, uh, we did not get the election results on election night, the Mm -hmm. same is true this year. Mm -hmm. In many places, we won't know who won or many races. We won't know who won until a few days, even up to a week or so after um, voting is done. And that's a good thing because Mm -hmm. that means that people are voting by mail. That means that more people are voting generally. Um, and so we are also reminding our volunteers to be um, defenders all the way through the process so that they can be vocal and ambassadors in their community helping to combat misinformation that just because results aren't in on election night, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. It doesn't mean that there's anything scrupulous, unscrupulous it means that the process is working.
2: Thank you for that, because so many people think that it's over as of election night, we've cast the votes, we can all go home. No, the counting continues. The certification goes on for several days, sometimes several weeks, and I can tell you that, you know, folks on the right are going to be there shouting to either uh, stop all the counting now or to count all of the ballots. They couldn't decide which one they were in favor of after 2020, (laughs) but they will be there. So I'm glad to know that election defenders may be there as well are you guys on election day are you guys inside the polling place uh as as nonpartisan observers or is your work outside of the polling place
1: yeah that's a great question our work is outside of the polling place there are many organizations that we're in communication with and coordination with that are recruiting people to be poll workers in those nonpartisan roles or to be poll watchers um and i should say we're we're, we're not um in coordination, but we are in communication and letting them so that they know the role mm-hmm. that our election defenders are playing, so that when they see folks in those gold sweatshirts or in those lime green t-shirts, that we are there not to, to interfere with the process, but to support voters. So we'll be on the outside and making sure that things stay, stay calm, stay joyful, Stay energetic and are the type of the experience that can keep people um, engaged all the way through to casting their ballot
2: now I I don't know if you saw uh, Angela peoples the uh, this footage from ABC 15 in Arizona in uh, Mesa on Thursday night uh, but uh, similar behaviors being reported elsewhere in the state and in other states the footage shows some right-wingers who are camping out in parking lots to watch absentee ballot drop boxes based on the misinformation that they were given from that phony 2000 Mules film. But as disinformed as those uh, folks may be, they do have the right to watch those drop boxes if that's how they want to spend their time, and they may do so as well on Election Day at the polls. You mentioned, uh, you know, some people may show up in in military fatigues and so forth. While that sort of behavior or that kind of dressing may, uh, you know, bother some people or offend some people, they're allowed to do it. What's the difference between legitimate poll watching and the sort of behavior that your volunteers hope to be there to help de-escalate? How, where's the line? How can you tell the difference?
1: You know, that's a great question. I think that for us, what we're really—that's also why we're really encouraging folks to focus on the voter and not try to, unless unless they are trained in with with deeper de-escalation skills, mm-hmm. which some of some of our volunteers will be trained in that. But for the most part, we're really encouraging people to just focus on being there to care for and to support the voter. Um, because that's one of the ways that you can tell the difference, right? Uh, one of the, we, we know that um, some states have passed laws to make it confusing about what is and isn't allowed, mm-hmm. what type of behavior is and isn't allowed at polling locations. And so if someone seems like they're trying to sow confusion, moving mis- disinformation, I feel like is a really good indicator that this is not someone who is pro-democracy, someone that's trying to stop people from voting, mm-hmm. that's a really good signal. And that's also why we are trying to be as communicative to poll watchers and to those nonpartisan uh, poll folks that are going to mm-hmm. be inside the polls um, to make sure that they know who we are and the role that we're playing um, so that there is no you know, bit of confusion or, or misunderstanding. Um, and then the other thing I think is, is important to know is that you know, we're, we're not there necessarily to document voters. We're there to support voters. And so we're not necessarily going to be there trying to take pictures of people mm-hmm. as they're casting their ballot or trying to, you know, critique this signature or that or, or, or that mm-hmm. line or that address. That's not our role at all. And we don't think that that's the role of anyone that, that, that is not in the election administration business. What we will be doing um, is making sure that voters feel safe, that they feel secure, that they know that they are valued and that that work, that their work is important. And if there are any issues that need to be escalated to prefer um, uh, potential legal challenges or um, if somebody has a, an issue with their, their registration or things like that, we also have lines of communication with experts who can help deal with that on the spot so that the people can be able to move forward as much as possible.
2: I know the uh, election defenders were in place back in 2000 uh, for the presidential election. Uh, were were you all in place during the, the primaries over the past year? And if so, did you run into any problems that might uh, help inform you or... Help us understand what may be coming down the road uh, during uh, uh, the uh, general election for the midterms in about uh, two weeks or so.
1: You know, we were not mobilized um, for the primaries. We we were um, we were actually just starting to get reengaged and mm-hmm. starting to kind of turn the machine back on from about two years ago. Um, but I, I will say that the the lessons that we have learned from 2020, from 2021. Um, have been very informative in terms of what we need to do this cycle. I think that um, recognizing, you know, the, the, again, the, a lot of their playbook is about intimidation. Mm-hmm. A lot of their uh, their strategy involves fear tactics. And so we are really um, focused on the joy that we can bring to people um, and reminding folks that, that as much as, you know, some may try to make Voting seem like something that is um, privileged or something that only a few should be able to do, that everybody has a right. Um, everyone that has the right to vote in this country should be able to exercise that um, and that that's the position that we're moving through. Um, thinking about how do we combat fear, We combat fear with joy. Um, we combat fear with our enthusiasm, and that is what I think the the main lesson that we took from, if you remember, in 2020, there were um, uh, several vir- viral videos of folks dancing at polling locations, mm-hmm. little mini concerts that were happening, mm-hmm. just really showing that this is actually something that one, our country has done for, for hundreds of years, um, and that we, while we have not done it perfectly for all of those years, we grow and move closer to actually being that country that we say we are, where every, every man is created equal and everyone has an access to you know, exercise their civic duty. And so we're really trying to lean on that history um, and remember that we are the ones that saved our democracy in 2020. Uh, we will be the ones that do it again.
2: <laughs> well, be careful, Angela. You know, they've already uh, uh, barred giving food and water to people standing online in states like so Georgia true. and Florida. Uh, I suspect they will uh, also bar dancing and uh, music (laughs) playing if you're too good at it. So don't be too enjoyable. Um, Are there any uh, specific states or counties, even specific polling places, where your your group has particular concerns this year, where you may be stationing more folks than in other jurisdictions?
1: We're looking in places where um, we we have a a few target states. We're trying to recruit election defenders from across the country, but we do have a few states where we're trying to um, build um, our program deeper with, with state-based organizations. I should say that while Election Defenders is a, a, a national program, mm-hmm. the power really does come from state organizers and local leaders who are the ones that know specifically where the the the... the, the, um, the Key pain points might be, mm-hmm. or where the different uh, particular elected officials can be trusted, or where folks need to have their eye on. And so we're in deep communication with organizations in states like uh, Arizona and in Pennsylvania and Michigan, um, Georgia and Florida, where I'm I am based, mm-hmm. um, and, and as well as in North Carolina and Nevada. These are all places, especially where we know that there also are either election deniers on the ballot. Mm-hmm or there are election deniers in position to make decisions about voting and about uh, voter registration. So we are particularly have our eye on those pieces and are working deeply with organizers in, in those areas to make sure that they have the support that they need, they have the resources that they need, and that um, we can be as... Um, connected to their strategy as possible.
2: The uh, AP is reporting today that the League of Women Voters of Ohio say that interfaith religious leaders are also uh, being trained in uh, uh, de-escalation techniques. Uh, They're calling them peacekeepers. They will be on call during early voting and on election day, quote, to help bring the temperature down. Our are you guys uh, at uh, org and the election defenders, are you guys coordinating with groups like that, or are we sort of looking at a bunch of independent separate efforts sort of aimed at the same thing uh, in various parts of the country?
1: We are. We're absolutely coordinated with those folks and, and are trying to make sure that, one, you know, because this is, a, as much as it's a very important election year, it's also a midterm year. And so, as you you know that's the as goes that there's a little bit let numbers are usually lower on midterm years than there are in the election years and 2020 was um, a super year because not only did we have a presidential election but we also were coming off of a a, 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 a racial up a, a uprising around racial justice mm-hmm. and so many people were already activated and looking for ways to throw down and so this year we know that you know couple of years into a pandemic, so many folks are strapped in different ways. So we are looking for opportunity to partner with organizations like the Peacekeepers um, in, in, in Ohio and mm-hmm. in other parts of the country so that we can maximize our impact and maximize our resources um, to have as much uh, reach as possible.
2: Uh, finally, Angela Peoples, is this a project that folks uh, who are l- listening to us now uh, may be able to join themselves in some way? Are you still looking for defenders, election defenders? Is there still time to train them, or alternately, is your group uh, you know, seeking support through donations, et cetera, this late in the game?
1: We are absolutely looking for more election defenders. If people want to join us, there's two opportunities that I would say best ways to get connected. One is to go to bit.ly slash defend 22. So that's bit.ly slash defend 22. There you can sign up for all of the trainings. We have trainings just about every day coming up in this next Mm. two weeks. Um, So folks can get plugged in there. Um, And then also if you just want more information, you can text the word front line. That's one word, front line three zero four zero three and you'll get uh, added to our list, and you'll get plugged. You'll be able to get plugged into the trainings if you're interested. Um, and we also do mass calls regularly to help update people on what's happening in the state, as well as to combat any misinformation that might be percolating.
2: Very cool. Angela Peoples is the campaign director for the Election Defenders, which is part of uh, a coalition of thefrontline.org. You can go to thefrontline.org. You can, as she notes, go to bit.ly. Slash Defend Twenty Two. I think I got it right. Or you can yeah, text. Great. Or you can text Frontline. The word Frontline, one word, to three zero four zero three. And if you'd like to follow them throughout all of this over the next several weeks, because it's going to be nothing but fun and joy, as she says, uh, you can find them uh, Frontline on the Twitters. They are We Join Frontline. And as I said, thefrontline.org. Angela herself can be found on Twitter at mspeoples. That's Ms. Peoples, if you're nasty. She's the campaign director (laughs) of election election defenders. Angela Peoples, really appreciate you joining us today. Good luck in the weeks ahead. Stay in touch if there's anything we can do uh, to help, whether it's uh, before, during, or after Election Day. Thank you so
1: much.
2: Have a good one. You too. Okay, we got to get out. My (laughs) thanks. Sorry. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyne, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at Bradblog.com. That is made possible. No paywall at all. Thanks to those of you who hit a donate button when you stop by Bradblog or just go straight to Bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am The Brad Blog. We'll see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.